Well, amen. So glad you're with us. Um, I'm just going to start this morning with getting on the table. What's the deal with kids these days, right? All right, anyway. I th- I, <laughs> my hypothesis is this, that there's something that goes on in our culture. There's, a, there's one major difference that, 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 better than anything else, defines the difference between me and my children, okay? And it's what happens on a road trip, Right? I think, I think probably the experience lived by my kids on a road trip and the experience that I lived through on a road trip is the single thing that differentiates generations between us, okay? None of this uh, iPhone business when I was in the back of the pickup truck by myself, like driving between Florida and Tennessee. Didn't have that. I had, I had Mad Magazine to keep me busy for 16 hours, and that was it, okay? And if I got bored of Mad Magazine, I had pretty much one other option, and it was to watch as uh, to watch as the uh, sorry my PowerPoint's not up there we go to watch as the uh, the billboards went by right hey TJ I'm not seeing my PowerPoint come up I don't know there it is I could watch as the as the billboards went by so billboards are interesting they they you know they're just along the way they get traffic that goes by them um, you get some pretty creative ones. Um, some that are less so, um, but then you get some that are pretty pointed, and some of us in the room actually can take offense at some of these things that we see on the billboards. But one thing that was, uh, when I was a kid, there was one billboard that I really wanted to see more than anything else when I was on the road trip, and it was one of these boys, right? I wanted to see that Cracker Barrel billboard, because here's the deal. The Cracker Barrel had some advantages that other billboards did not, right? Right? There's a million gas stations all over the place. Dad was going to pick whichever one would save him one penny per gallon, and he'd go, you know, 18 miles out of his way to get that penny saved. But, but when there was a Cracker Barrel sign, we had a chance of stopping. And I wanted to stop there because, of course, it was a store that had some toys in it for me to at least look at. There was zero chance of taking any of those toys with me in, on the road trip. But at least there were some toys. Um, they had a magical kitchen where things like apples would come out tasting more like candy, and somehow they could take disgusting things like okra, but they would batter them and fry them so that they became edible. Um, it was amazing. There were clean bathrooms, so mom, you know, found, found Cracker Barrel to be, uh, to be um, an acceptable stop as well. But, but the Cracker Barrel, we always knew the, where the Cracker Barrel was because of the billboards, Right? Um, this, you know, well before we had a device where we could plug in, like, where should I stop and eat, or, you know, there was no Yelp or any of that. We knew, you knew when you were on the road, you, when you were heading towards a Cracker Barrel, that you were going to get a stop, and you knew what you were going to get on that stop. Today, we're beginning a new series, okay? We're beginning a new series. The series is called I Am. We'll say a little bit more about that in a few minutes, as far as the, the meaning of those words, I am. But it's called I Am because in, the, in John's Gospel in the New Testament, um, Jesus himself, when he's talking about who he is, he says on, on several occasions, depending on which list you're using, somewhere between seven and nine different times, but he says, he says I am something. I am something. And so we're, what we're going to do over the next 10 weeks is we're going we're gonna to take a look primarily at those I am statements. I am was, it was a significant thing. Um, and and it be so significant in this context because if you go back to the Old Testament, if you go back to the Old Testament in the book of Exodus, there's a story that, that is the, it's the burning the story of the burning bush, right? And 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 when the the bush is on fire, 
And Moses stands there and he's, he's inquiring, who is this that's speaking to him from the bush? And he gets a response back. And he says, but in that response, he winds up asking, okay, when I go and I do your work, when I go back to Egypt to try and get the people out, he says, who am I going to say it is that sent me? And in Exodus chapter three, God, Yahweh says this. He says, tell them I am who I am sent you. I am who I am. It's a statement that simply means I, I exist and my existence is unquestioned. Whatever question you're asking, I'm, I am the answer to it. I'm behind it all. I'm before it all. I am who I am. This, this idea, this phrase became a way for the, for the Israelites, the, the children of Israel, to, to shorthanded say that, that they have one God and their God is the I am. We have a worship song we haven't done in a while, but there's a worship song, this, the, the, the great I am, that there's this, this I am that exists that's behind it all, before it all, above it all, and bringing it all to pass. It's the I am. So when Jesus says, I am, in the, in the Gospel of John, and John records that for us, we're seeing something that's tied to an identity that runs deep throughout the scriptures. And the children of Israel, the, the, the Jewish people of the day, when, when John would have written this, would have recognized immediately these I am statements are connected to something more than just saying, if, if I said something like, I am Tom, or I am from Florida, or it's, these statements run deeper than that. And so we're gonna take time over these next 10 weeks to talk about them. And, um, and when we talk about them, we're doing it because we're looking at some specific and particular questions. But John, the author of the Gospel of John, where these I am statements are found, John tells us why he recorded the ones he did. Okay? At the, towards the end of John's Gospel in chapter 20, he writes this. He says, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, in the Gospel of John. So there's a lot more that went on besides what you can read in the Gospel of John. But look at this, verse 31. But these are written, the ones that are here, these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. John just, he gets it out there. The reason John wrote this book is so that we may believe that Jesus is the Christ. The Christ is the chosen one, the anointed one. He's the Christ, the Son of God, okay, God's Son. And by believing that, he tells us, you may have life in his name, in him. All throughout this, over the next 10 weeks, we're gonna see a lot of different things. But the goal of our exercise in going through John is to see that, that Jesus is, is for everyone, for everyone to see who he is, to believe that he is who he claims to be, and that by believing in him, we have this this thing called life. This thing called life. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to begin appropriately today at the very beginning of John, in chapter 1. And if you have a Bible and want to turn there, that'd be great. Um, but we'll, it'll be up for you. But, but we're going to begin today in John chapter 1. And John chapter 1 
is it's, it's kind of, um, uh, it's, it's definitely beautiful literature, but it's beautiful literature that's sort of, that's kind of a, a bold introduction to who Jesus is and what, what John's going to say about him. And it's kind of like, um, it's, it's, it's kind of like a, a, um, an introduction to the rest of the book and what else is going to be said. It's almost as if, okay, bear with me here. It's almost as if John, the writer of the Gospel of John, is putting some billboards in front of us to, to help us mark where we're headed, to give us some indication of where the journey in the book of John is going to take us. So let's go ahead and start at John chapter 1, verse 1, and it says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Let's stop there. Some of us have heard this a lot. For others, this may be brand new to us. But, but this idea, this John is using, he's creating a direct parallel. Those first three words you will find in the scriptures elsewhere. And to save you all of the the trouble with with all the different translations this went through and all the different things, essentially the same words that John is using here, though it's now been translated a couple times, the same words John is using here are the same words that introduce us to the Bible in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. John says, in the beginning, and the reader knows immediately. He's making a claim about the very beginning, not just the beginning of the story, not just the beginning of his life. He's talking about the very beginning. But he says that in the beginning was the word. Now, the word is a strange way to talk about this. The, the Greek word here is logos. It, it's a word that, that, was, that was kind of a, a shorthanded word for all truth, like the complete picture of everything that was true. Both, both uh, Jews and Gentiles in that day had special meaning for this idea of the word. Um, but for the Greek, it actually meant the, the, the culmination, the summation of everything that is true, everything that is right. It's like capital T truth. In the beginning was the truth, the word. Okay? When you take that together with John alluding to creation, and then using this idea of the, the, the utterance of truth, the, the, the spoken truth, the word, you, we see very clearly that John is telling us that, that this, this word, whoever this is that we're going to see, this word is, is important and powerful from the very beginning of the story, from the very beginning of, of all creation, of all that God is telling us, this person, this word, is, is at the beginning of it. Is, is, is the, anything that we can say about God, we're saying the same thing about here, the word. So keep reading with me. Verse, verse two, he was in the beginning with God, kind of a restatement of verse one. Verse three, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man, verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. Pause for a minute. This is John the Baptist, not John, the author of the Gospel of John. He's going to talk about a different John. There, uh, whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness to the light. Verse 9, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. 
Here's this, I remember we looked at chapter 20, verses 30, 31, that there's belief leads to eternal life. We're seeing the same thing here. John's introing us to an idea that he, he sort of uh, encapsulates there in, in uh, chapter 20, verse 31. That there's belief, and that belief gives a new kind of life, a different kind of life. It's distinguished from just our living, our breathing. It's a new kind of life. Keep reading verse 14. And the word became flesh, and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as the, one, the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John, this is John the Baptist, bore witness about him and cried out, um, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. This is a, another really interesting idea and that, that the word, this truth, this, this, what, whoever this is that we're talking about, became flesh, it was not flesh, it was not human, but the word became flesh, and then it dwelt among us. It, it, it took up residency here. Uh, Eugene Peterson, when he, he did his translation of the, the scriptures and the message, I just love the phrasing he used here. He says, the word became flesh and blood and then moved into the neighborhood. I think that's a fascinating way to think about this in a personal context. That Jesus took on human form, took on flesh, but it didn't just stop with being kind of like us, moved into our lives. John's asking us, or he's, 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 he's presenting us with the possibility, what if Jesus just lived a couple doors down? What impact would that have? And he's gonna tell us that story in his gospel. And then to wrap up this first section, verses 17 and 18. It says, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. So this word that we come to know fully as Jesus in John's gospel, this word is more than just like a picture of what God is like. When we know him, we see the fullness of who God is. Distinct from, Dan shared with us last week about the Trinity. Distinct from, but at the same time, the same God as Yahweh, God the Father. Do we understand this? Do we see this? So if we imagine chapter one as a string of billboards, there's a lot that's said in here. It's powerful on its own. But if we imagine as a string of billboards for the rest of this this book. John's telling us in small snippets what we're going to see as we look at the rest of John. Chapter 1, it's a marvelous summary if you kind of already know the rest of the story, but if imagine you're uninitiated. Imagine you've never heard the rest of Jesus' story. You don't know who this word is. You're not, you're not, you don't, you don't, know the rest of the story. You don't know the miracles that were done. You don't know the, the, the resurrection story. Imagine you don't know the, 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 all of it. And here we have, here we have Jesus presented to us in summary form in a way that invites us to keep moving towards a destination. So what I'd like to do is just take a step back through some of the, the things that John billboards for us here in chapter one. Things that we're going to see as we, as we go through John as a community on Sundays, but, but, I, but hopefully as 
every one of us will read through this Gospel of John together over the next 10 weeks. So one of the first billboards that we see, one of the first things that's said in there about the Word or about Jesus is that he is life. He's life. It tells us that in verse 4. It said, in him was life. In him was life. Life's a really interesting idea to, to this first century audience. We have one word for life, life, okay? If we want to talk about something else, we sort of distinguish by maybe vitality, okay? But they had, they had multiple words for life, and the two most common ones, was, was, was the, one is the word bios, okay? Bios. Bios is where we get like biology, okay? It's, it's the study of living things biology. It's, it's just like sort of um, that vitality, like something has the essence of life in it. For humans, it's, it's a heartbeat, it's breathing, it's brain waves, it's bios, okay? That's not the word that's used here. It's a different word. The word is zoe, zoe. Zoe is a, is a different word for life. And what it actually means is it means a life that goes beyond the biological life beyond the bios. It's life that exceeds the bare minimum of being alive. It's a life that has fullness to it. It's a life that is complete. It's a life that lacks nothing. It's zoe. And so what it tells us, when it tells us that Jesus, in him, in this word, was life, it's telling us that the very thing that we, that we want to live in the fullness of life to live in the fullness of, of all that we were intended to be, it's the word here, it's Jesus who has it. It's his. It was true of him. Life was in him. As we keep moving, it tells us that, that Jesus is light, that he's light. Verses four, we see this, in him was life, but then it goes on, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God, his name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. John, this man, he was not the light, but he came to bear witness to the light, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. So, so there's this, John the author is writing about John the Baptist, this other person. John the Baptist is testifying to the fact that it, things may seem dark, it may seem dark right now, but the light is coming. We've talked about this around here recently, so I don't want to belabor this beyond what we need to, but light as a description of who Jesus is in contrast to darkness. You see, darkness is, is a lacking, it lacks truth. When we're in the dark, we can't see clearly. We've got no direction, no aim. Purpose is mysterious. In the dark, we're fearful for what's around us and what could come next that we don't see coming. But in the light, things are seen clearly. We, we have opportunity to foresee what's coming. The truth is available to us. And so when we, when we look at, at Jesus as the light, or the word was the light that came in, we're introduced to, to this idea that the closer we get to this word, the more certainty and clarity that we live with. That... that Everything that we can and should know is available to us through him, through the light. We can, we can see with confidence what's there. Or how about this idea that's also in this passage, that he was the Messiah. That's a, that's a religious term, I get that. That's a, that's a churchy word, he was the Messiah. 
But what we read is that, that in verse 11, he, being the word, Jesus, came to his own. And his own people did not receive him. Okay, that th- there was a promised person coming to the, to the nation of Israel. There was a Messiah, a chosen one, that all of their, all of their, their, their story with God, everything that, was, that had gone on and happened, all, everything that was pointing to the one who was coming from God to make everything right. So all of their longings, all of their needs, every, all of their worship was directed at this Messiah. And John says, he came to his own. He came to those who had the story, but they didn't receive him. But, verse 12, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. You see, the promise of the Messiah there was the, the thinking in the first century for the Jewish people was too restrictive. They believed that God, that God was going to send a Messiah that was going to reestablish an earthly kingdom, was going was to set up a throne and throw off their, 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 uh, the ruling empire that was over them and oppressing them. But that was much too narrow a vision. The promise wasn't just for that. The promise was for all people, everywhere, who believe in him to get a new birth, a new identity. That's what it means for Jesus to be the Messiah. And we're gonna see more about that. It also tells us another billboard that we cross here. A quick glimpse that Jesus is the glory. Look at verse 14 where it tells us the word became flesh. So Jesus, the word, becomes flesh, puts on flesh and dwelt among us. And then it says, and we have seen his glory. Glory. What a word, right? We immediately associate certain things with glory. I associate praise. I associate adoring something, worshiping something. We probably, like around here, we glory in a certain university's exploits. And thus we mourn when they're on the wrong end of the score, right? But the, the word glory it's, it's the praise and respect and adoration that's due to a person based on their merits, based on, on, their, on who they really are. And remember what it's saying here, of all the things it's telling us about, about the word, about Jesus. Who is he? Well, it tells us right away in verse one that he's God. And so the glory, the glory of Jesus, the, the praise that's, that he's due, what, what, what he's worth is everything that God is worth in Jesus. That's what's due to him because that's who he really is. He's never on the wrong end of the score, right? He, gets, he can get all the praise. It says more, it says this, that he's the one and only son of God. He's the one. There in verse 14, he says, the glory as the only son. The only son. You see, there's something unique and special and different about Jesus. Where it says we can be children of God, but there's also something different about Jesus. He's the only one of his kind. 
we're probably, many of us, familiar with John 3.16, right? This, where this idea is driven home. For God so loved the world that he gave his only, depending on how, old, how far back you go with some of the translations, his one and only son or his only begotten son, it says in John 3. It's this idea that carries that like, like I might be able to create something, but anything I create is different other than from me. But begotten carries the idea of, of, of my flesh or my life passing into it, moving into it. And so I might be able to create something, but I can begat a child like me. And when it tells us that, that Jesus in John chapter three is the only son of God, it's saying he's the only one of his kind. There is no one else like him. He's unique in all things, which fits, certainly fits with everything else that we're finding here about him. And everything that we will, else that we will be told about him as we move through this in the gospel of John, he's one of a kind. There's no one to compare to him. He's not just another in a long line of really good teachers. He's something else wholly different. And it tells us that when we look at him, we're gonna see grace and truth. Grace and truth. It says it a couple times near the end there in verse 14, full, uh, from the Father, full of grace and truth. And a few verses down in verse 17, it says, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. There's a distinction here. There's something different about what Jesus is doing that separates him from the law of Moses. And, and it's, it is equally, equal parts truth in that it's real. What he's saying is undeniable. It must be accepted and believed. But also, but also it's full of grace. It's full of grace. And I, I would hope that we don't cheapen this idea of grace or lessen its value by, through familiarity or, or, or any other reason, because grace is the most astonishing notion in all of religious history. It's the thing that distinguishes faith in Jesus Christ from every other religious perspective. Because grace assumes that, it assumes sin, it assumes that we've done something that's hindered us or hampered our relationship with God. It's kept us from being able to know him. And yet grace steps in and says, but that's not the thing that defines your position with God. You have favor with God because of grace. Grace, grace tells us that, that, that we have standing that's undeserved. So the truth is still there. The truth is that we are sinners. And without the word, without God, without Christ, we have no hope. But Jesus wasn't here just for truth. He was here for truth, but not just for truth. He came full of grace and truth, side by side, in one person. And that con we're condemned because of our sin, and we don't measure up to his standard, but he gives us standing with him, not based on our own merits, just based on his goodness and his love for us. 
this word, this Jesus, is something wholly different. And it's easy for us, it's easy for me, to take everything that he is for granted. I've been around it, I've heard it, I've talked about it. And so it's easy for me to just sort of nod my head and go, yeah, yeah, I know that. But what we're going to be invited to is inviting you into, and we're going to invite you in with us, is it back to John 20 and what John says here, right? We want to look at what's written here, what's said. Because Jesus did a lot of things. There were many, many things, and not every one of them is documented, verse 30. But verse 31, these are written so that you can believe. What is belief? What does it mean to trust this Jesus? What does it mean to believe him? Because by, in believing him, we have life. Zoe, real life. That's what we're gonna be doing. It's why we're gonna, we're gonna camp on this for a couple months. Because we can know God because we know Jesus. You see this? We connect with our God because we connect with Jesus because he is God. Who is he? He's God. What happens when he moves into the neighborhood? Let's look at John together and discover it because he moved into the neighborhood and it changed things. It upset power structures. It it altered lives. It upset people in ways that they walked away from him. They didn't want to accept who he was, believe in him. And we still do it today. So here's what we want to do. Um, We've mentioned this several times this morning. This is my invitation to you today. It's not an invitation to walk out of here and do one thing different, but it's an invitation to partner with us in something. We've been calling them devotionals. Devotional is probably a stronger word than what we're really asking here. But we've we've taken the, the Gospel of John and we've broken it into 60 distinct readings. And we're going to ask everyone to join with us in reading them. The aim of this is to know who Jesus is. Because if what we just read is true, that by believing in him, we have real life. If that's actually true, then we want to know him. We need to know him. In fact, it's not a stretch to say our lives depend on knowing him. And so we're going to invite you. Um, I brought my phone up, and I'm going to give you a second. Okay, And I'm going to give you... I don't know, like 60 of them, okay? We've we've done the the legwork for you. You can go to john.lifecommunity.com, okay? Or if that's, if you've got the, like I have the My LCC button on my phone. If you go there and scroll right down, it says read the book of John together, sign up for the devotions. Again, don't be psyched out by the word devotions, okay? It's 90% a passage of John to read, and a couple questions just to reflect on. But go there. It's going to bring you to this page, and just, just give us an email. And once a week, that's what, we're not, it won't inundate your, your, your inbox. Once a week, you're going to get a, a message that has, that has a, a week's worth, well, six days worth of, of reading from John and a couple questions just to reflect on and to sit in, in silence for a few minutes and just listen to what God may be telling you 
about himself in the person of Jesus. So don't stress about it. If, if you've started these things before and not finished them, it's all right. Like every week is, is a new start. It's okay. Jesus is found in all of this, right? Um, we're serious about Jesus around here. We're just extremely serious about him because he is the answer to life. He is the promise of all the, the, the hopes and dreams of humanity. They're found in him. Life, Zoe, is found in his name. So we're inviting you to come with us. I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna sing one more song. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we stop now and thank you for being all of these things and then even more that just our, 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 our words are still insignificant for, um, for defining just who you are. And so this morning we pause and we, um, we ask that you would show yourself to us, that you would, uh, you would reveal yourself clearly and that, um, that we would believe. We would believe that you are who you say you are. Help us in our weakness to know you, to trust you. And we pray all of this because of who you are, Jesus. And in your name, we pray, amen.